All right, Loot by Jude Watson. We left off at chapter 62, but since we were, we've been gone for a few days, I'm going to go back and read chapter 61. So I'll read chapter 61, 62, and 63. Bad dreams. That night the dream was an exercise in terror. The night was darker. The cliff turned to sheer ice. Now he could see Jewel's face, her terrified gray eyes, her hand reaching, straining to grasp his. He felt his foot slip as he grabbed at air. He tumbled down and saw her falling too. He woke up shaking and drenched in sweat. He looked around the train car. Darius was snoring. Izzy curled next to him. Jules's blanket was tossed aside. He left the train car and found her on the platform, sitting cross-legged and watching a train loiter at the platform far down the station. He sat down. Bad dream, she asked. At his nod, she said, me too. Alfie would say that you look as wrung out as a washcloth in a miner's camp. She gave a brief smile. Tonight, it was different. I saw your face. There was ice and rain. Yes, and I had you by the hand. You were dangling, and we both fell together. We had the exact same dream. People would say it's a coincidence, she said. Yeah, power of suggestion, uh-huh. But it's not. No. March felt a breeze stir from somewhere down the tunnel. It flickered along the wet ends of his hair. He shivered. And Friday is the blue moon. It's 2 a.m. Today is Thursday. We're almost out of time. FX will do some digging for us on the particle zoo stone. If anyone can track it down, he can. Tomorrow we'll figure out the Mike Shannon heist. I'm sure he's using it for leverage to get in on the deal. Izzy did some research. He lives in a fancy, crazy house about 40 minutes north of the city. Security cameras all over. Yeah, not easy. Alfie didn't case this job. He always knew if something was doable. He never took a job that he didn't know he could do. So? So, I don't know. It made me think I could do it, too. It sort of carried me along. Now, I don't know. So don't do it like Alfie this time. She cocked her head and smiled. Do it like March. Chapter 62. Shannon's Lair. Sometimes... When you need inspiration, you've got to reach for cupcakes. March passed around the box for breakfast the next morning. Something had changed. A sense of gloom had invaded the train car. Time pressed against their backs. Nabbing a collar off a dog had been fun. Breaking into a domestic fortress was a whole other thing. Even the cupcakes didn't help. Izzy put down hers, half-eaten. Tomorrow is the blue moon. What if we can't steal the rest of the moonstones and break the curse? I know one thing. We won't have to buy March and Jules a birthday present, Darius joked. No one laughed. Come on, you don't believe in all this stuff, do you? Darius asked. Magic moonstones, Merlin. Let's stay real. March didn't know what real was anymore. He felt his fate rushing at him, felt the drag of the stones in his pocket, along with the drumbeat of harsh belief that tomorrow night he could fall to his death. He cleared his throat. We need time to plan, time to set it up. We won't be able to hit Shannon until tomorrow. I know it's getting close, but it's the day he films his show. He goes in at 3 p.m. and doesn't get home until 11. While we plan the heist today, FX will be working on finding the other Moonstone. I think Shannon's system is hackable, Izzy said. He controls everything from his smartphone. If you can get me inside, I can access the security system on his computer and set off some little alarm. Something easy, like a rise in temperature that will set off an alert but won't look suspicious. 
If he checks the system, everything will look okay. I just have to stay out of camera range, but that's not a problem. Then when he resets, I can copy his code and open the doors. She picked up her tablet. Listen to this. Shannon was interviewed by a design magazine. Shannon is particularly fond of his ability to monitor temperature and humidity, set alarms, turn off lights, even start the dishwasher from his smartphone. I'm now a brand, Shannon declared with his usual aplomb, leaning back in his Ames recliner, custom upholstered in pony hide, TV star, writer, producer, personality, any that, anything that saves time is no longer a luxury, but a necessity. Super hurl, Darius said. Okay, so if Izzy can get us in and if we find the moonstone, then what? Jules asked. Then we're stuck up in Snootville with a bunch of local cops looking for us, Darius said. I've been thinking about the getaway, March said. One of Alfie's favorite heists used a sweet trick. A thief goes on Craigslist and under help wanted, he posts a job for a road crew, tells everyone to wear one of those orange safety vests and a blue shirt and show up on the street with a bank that just happens to have an armored card scheduled delivery. So about 50 guys show up. The thief is dressed just like them. He steals the cash and melts away into the crowd, looking like every other guy in a blue shirt and an orange vest. Pretty smooth if you don't count the fact that he ended up getting caught. Darius frowned. Nobody's going to make a mistake. No one's going to make us. Sorry. Nobody's going to mistake us for a road crew. And I look all washed out in orange. March took a swig of juice. I was thinking purple lycra. Shopping list. Bicycle jerseys, helmets, cardboard box. Stolen from Cape Heart Repair Back Alley in Fair Corners, New York. Bubble wrap, screwdriver, hair dryer, duct tape, clipboard. The village of Fair Corners was a town just 40 minutes north of New York City. The super wealthy who lived there liked to use words like charming and quaint to describe it. Ordinary folks got in their ordinary cars and drove for hours in order to clip the shrubs and clean the tubs in mansions pretending to be farmhouses. The gang wheeled their rented bikes down the sidewalks toward the road that would take them to Shannon's house. Nerves were stretched tight and they hadn't said much on the train ride out. March had looked up evening events in the surrounding area. The county bike club was holding their annual start of summer evening meetup. The bike meetup starts at 6 and the route takes the cyclists about a quarter mile from Shannon's house at around 7, March explained. So if we can get in and out by then, we'll get camouflage when we, group, when we join the group. Darius looked around at his bike shorts and bright purple top. Camouflage? I look like a gigantic grape. They mounted the bikes and took off. It was a pleasant ride along a curving country road to the address. Shannon's house was concrete and steel, built by a famous architect who had set out to make a statement about the arrangement of domestic space within intersecting planes. It looked like a bunker on Mars. Double-height living area, wine cellar, infinity pool, lap pool, outdoor kitchen, media center, indoor kitchen the size of a soccer field, master bedroom and turret, Izzy said, 9,000 square feet. Pig big, Darius said. It's one person in a freaking hotel, that's what it is. It doesn't matter how big it is, March said. There's only a few places people keep jewelry. So how long do we have before he figures out that you took over his main computer, Jules asked Izzy. Depends on how smart he is, or how paranoid he is, which is worse. If he checks his phone, his spyware might tell him that the main computer was hacked. This one might be tricky, March admitted. 
His fear had been growing since he'd first heard that Mike Shannon had bought the Moonstone ring. He was pitted against a former cop, a guy with a grudge who was expecting Oscar Ford to come after him. Had he bought the Moonstone as a taunt? If he let them, March's teeth would chatter with nerves. Let's go over it one more time. Chapter 63. Smart House. They cycled past slowly. Only one car was in the driveway, a Toyota. Housekeeper, Izzy said. She leaves at six. She's expecting the package? Jules nodded. Izzy was brilliant. She set up my number as Cape Heart Repair. I told her there's a recall on a water heater sensor and we were delivering new parts. The property was encircled by a low stone wall. It was easy to lift the bikes over and stash them in a stand of trees near a meadow. Darius pulled on the coveralls over his bike shorts and shirt. Using duct tape, Jules and March quickly taped the box together, then used a screwdriver to punch some discreet holes in it. They unpacked the bubble wrap and lined it. Izzy eyed it fearfully. Darius took her hands. Look at that nice little nest March and Jules made. If you get scared or something happens to me, you can always get out. You have a box cutter in your pocket. You hear me, Izzy? You can always get out. Nobody's locking you up. Not ever again. Izzy swallowed. She nodded. Okay, then, Darius said. Time to climb in. Izzy slipped inside the box and folded herself up, hugging her knees and tucking her head down. When she looked up, her face looked tiny and pale. It's only March and Jules' possible death in $7 million, Darius said, and it's all up to you, so chill. They shut the flaps on her smile. Darius hefted the box. He walked across the road to the White House and rang the bell. Then someone answered, a middle-aged woman in dark pants and a white shirt. She asked him a few questions. March and Jules watched anxiously. Alfie always said you can get away with anything if you're carrying a clipboard and a smile, March muttered. A second later, he let out a breath. She just laughed. We're in. They waited while the clock ticked. March couldn't shake the feeling that he'd overlooked something. Apprehension skittered along his skin. He was relieved when Darius hurried out the door a few minutes later. Everything's okay, he said as he ran up. The housekeeper is getting ready to go. She had her keys in her hand when I left. Izzy's okay. I sprayed the outdoor cameras with hairspray, so if Shannon looks back at a tape, he won't be able to identify positively ideas. A few minutes later, the housekeeper appeared. She got into the car and drove off. March texted Izzy. All clear. Go. A moment later, her face appeared on Jules's phone. Okay, she whispered. I'm going upstairs. I disabled the camera in the first security squad, but by the time he checks, I'll be in the office. Darius paced back and forth between the trees. I don't like this. When she, she was shaking when she got out of that box, and now she's alone. Just then, Izzy popped up again. I'm in the office. Reset temp in the living room, booting up computer, going to put the phone down now. Long, agonizing minutes passed. Then Izzy's face popped up again. Okay, Shannon saw the alert, checked out the temp, saw the cameras functioning, so he adjusted the temp and got a green light. I installed the mirroring spyware, so I got the code. I just disabled the rear door and reset the cameras. They're on a loop of empty rooms. Go. March and Jules ran across the lawn into the back of the house. Darius would keep watch on the road just in case. Izzy waited for them by the back door. I'll look in the study, she said. We'll take the master bedroom, March said. 
They ran across the open-plan living room with its gargantuan leather sofas and took the stairs two at a time. The master bedroom was in the turret, a gigantic room with curved walls. Two gray sofas sat by a fireplace. An enormous bed was in the center of the room, piled with layers of pillows. Cascading gray silk draperies rippled at the floor-to-ceiling windows. A gigantic gold-leaf mirror reflected it all. There were three separate closets, all full of meticulously stacked cashmere sweaters, jackets, suits, and transparent towers of shoes. Jewel stopped still, speechless. On the dresser, a heavy gold watch was tossed onto a tray along with cufflinks. There was a mahogany box on the top of the dresser, and March pawed through it. More cufflinks, a hideous pinky ring. Keep looking, he told Jules. I'm going to try the study next door. The sun must have set because the hallway was dark. Mark didn't, March didn't want to risk a light. He pushed open the study door. For just a moment, he was blinded by the last rays of setting sun. A blue flash exploded in, onto the white wall. A man in a leather swivel chair, his back to March, holding up something between his thumb and index finger. It was Mark Shannon, Mike Shannon, and he was holding a moonstone. Tune in tomorrow for more.